Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times, and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to podcast Come Towards the Light. I am your host, Mike Gregson, and I am um, thrilled to have my good friend John Wilson here with me today uh, to share his story with us and his message um, on the pon- on the podcast. Podcast, you know, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> this tongue of mine just likes to stick around in my mouth, John. I don't know what, what to say half the time. <laughs> Um, but no, I, so I, I'm really um, excited for you guys to hear John's story. He's got a phenomenal story and just a little background on how I know John. Um, Alicia and I, my wife, lived in Colorado uh, for a short stint for about a year, um, almost about a year ago. And right across the street from us, we, we lived into a brand new neighborhood. It was getting built up and right across the street from us, a uh, big truck pulled up and, and here comes this new family moving in and, and they had four kids and of course, you know, I'm looking out the window. Creepy Mike is looking out the window going, all right, let's check these Little people out. Little do we know that become a theme. Yeah, right <laughs> yeah so there's, there's something to that story too. We'll talk about that. But um, no, but um, just, you know, I, here's, a, here's a guy that's like, what are you, seven foot two, six foot? Something like that. Six foot seven. Something like, <laughs> six five. Six five. So just a little bit taller. But to you, Mike, I'm always larger yeah, than life, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> amen. So, I, you know, I, obviously there, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a... I'm not uh, afraid of tall people by any means, but I'm jealous of tall people because, you know, my dream to play in the NBA. But um, yeah. so I walked out and, you know, here's this here's this giant of a guy, John, and, you know, unloading the truck and his wife, Dorsey. And and right off the bat, um, just just had a great conversation with you. And, and um, we, we learned about some connections and some similarities in our lives. And that was kind of fun to put together. Um, but I remember I remember that first time after meeting you, I'm like, this is this is a guy um, that I can tell is deep and, and deep in the sense of how you view people. Cause I felt, I felt very warm. Um, just, just good. I felt good about myself and about life as I walked away from you. And I've really learned that those are people in my life that I want to be around. Like I just, I want to be around people that just have a really good outlook on life and tend to view things in a way that, that, um, is beautiful. And is that's something I'm attracted to. And I remember, walking away and, and, and going back to my house and thinking, I'm going to really like these guys. Like, this is going to be really fun to, to have them as neighbors. And well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we, you know, we lived around each other for a while and, and of course we moved away shortly thereafter, but we've remained friends. Um, and, and you've come out this weekend to, to kind of hang out and party with me as I'm turning 40 yeah. uh, today, today, actually, but happy, yeah. bur- happy birthday. Thanks man. But, but yeah, of course you, you come out to throw a joke on me that uh, I'm retired, officially retired <laughs> for my dreams playing. Maybe. We won't go into that, but no. So that was fun. Yeah. And, and John, I just, I, you're one of those guys that as I've been around you and as I've, um, 
felt of your spirit and just who you are. Um, it's, it's, I, I love, you have a good soul. Like you have a good soul and, I and, that. um, I feel comfortable around you. I feel safe, um, when I'm with you and talking to you. And I really do learn a lot from the way that you view life and the way that you try and approach your life as not only a husband, but as a father and as, and as a career man as well. And, uh, anyway, so I, you know, enough said enough from, from me. And, and I hope that gives you a little background about John. But um, John, you know, take it away. Tell us about yourself, and, and let's get into your story. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, uh, first meeting you was was memorable. You know, I, I was unloading the truck, and I hear I see this neighbor coming down. He's making a beeline towards me. I was like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> All right. And I could tell you. I, I could tell right away he's you, that you were very gregarious, and you come right up. Hey, I'm Mike Gregson. I don't know about, about you, but I, I had a traumatic brain injury. <laughs> And uh, so if I forget your name, you know, I apologize. Hey, what a way to start. I got to set the foundation of like, hey, just just so if you ever think I'm dumb or I'm an idiot, you're probably right. But it's brain injuries, man. (laughs) But it was good. It was, you know, friendship after that. It was, it was great. That's funny. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be here. I uh, will start by saying, you know, I've listened to a few of your podcasts. I haven't gone through all of them yet. Um, I will, but I've been impressed because, um, you have normal people on your podcast. This is certainly not a celebrity show, and and uh, but you have normal people. And as I'm as I'm listening to them speak um, and just talk about their life and their circumstances, um, these are normal people who are extraordinary. And I I don't think that's exceptional. I think that normal people have an extraordinary story to tell, um, and that's what I love about it. I, I I love getting to know quote unquote normal people who. Um, who've gone through some things in life, you know, um, because I can relate to that. Yeah. So two things real quick. Yeah. Number one, that hurts. Um, I thought I was a celebrity, John. <laughs> that, hurt, that hurts well, a little bit. Well, well you're, you, you hung it up yet last night. Yeah, right? yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> no, but... Welcome, welcome back to Earth. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I think, and I, and I think the beauty of that, John, I, me personally, I'm with you, and, and I think we all struggle inwardly thinking, are we good enough for this world, right? Have we done yeah. enough to make enough for ourselves and name for ourselves? And, yeah. We don't have to. Yeah. We are we are special and we're important and and all of us individually we're unique and where there's so much to learn from everybody and I thanks for saying that because yeah. I feel yeah. the same way. Well, you know, I mean, you and I both grew up uh, in the same era. We both grew up uh, just admiring Michael Jordan. That's for, right. for the amazing things that he was able to do with his the basketball goat. career. The goat, <laughs> undisputed. That's a. <laughs> but you know, here we see this guy who's just absolutely breaking the stratosphere with what he's doing. And, and you just, you look at that and go, wow, you know, he's made, I mean, everybody knows the name Michael oh, Jordan, yeah. you know, but nobody knows, knows the name John Willison, yeah. you know, nobody names, you know, John Doe, whoever it's, it, it, there's so many normal people, but you know, I, I, so I grew up in the LDS faith and, um, so I grew up with a knowledge of Jesus Christ and I believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe in his message and one of the messages I, I was taught as a very young child that I have, I, every single day I'm finding that is um, exceptionally powerful is the truth that I am a child of God and that we are all children of God and that therefore that is where our value lies. And so I'm not a husband, I'm not a father, I'm not a dentist, I'm not a, um, you know, I'm not a retired uh, basketball player, you know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not any of these things. What I am at the core is I am a child of God. And that has sustained me through everything. 
which I am, I am, I'm grateful for because it helps me remind myself of who I am as I go through my struggles that I face, but it also helps me see other people in the correct light, um, in a correct perspective. And so it no longer becomes, I'm better than you, or you're better than me. Um, it becomes, it becomes, you're an amazing person and I need to figure out why. And sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. Um, just a real quick, you know, I, I still remember there was a time when I was living in uh, Indianapolis going to school. Best and, state in the United States of America, <laughs> folks. Great state. Yes. I love, love the Hoosier <clears throat> State. Some phenomenal people that, that live there. Um, had a great experience there. Dorsey and I went to um, a concert that was on this big green right in downtown Indianapolis, um, just right by the river. And uh, we went to go see a, a Bonnie Raitt concert. And that was a lot of fun. But what what struck me the most as we were walking out, um, there was this young, there was this young man. He was probably maybe in his mid twenties, maybe. And as we were walking, it was kind of dark and he ends up kind of just like pushing right in front of me at first. It's like, well, Hey, what's going on? Uh, but he was making his way to the trash can to look for food. Oh, and that was just, that was heartbreaking for wow. me because I realized like he's, he needs help. We tried to help. He wasn't. Um, he, he he did not want any kind of any kind of interaction or anything like that. Um, Probably a lot of shame in his life or whatever. Yeah, maybe some shame, yeah. maybe some mental illness, maybe Man. maybe a combination of, of those things. Yeah. You know? um, but I fell for him, and I still remember that. Wow. You know, there's a lot of things that I forget. I don't have the best memory, um, but things like that stick with me. That's amazing. And, and I look at that and go. I know that my heavenly father loves him just as much as he loves me or my kids or my wife or, or anybody else, you know? And, and, and so it's hard. And it got me, it got me and, and Dorsey to be, to, to think, what can we do? Yeah. What can we, what are we doing with our life, our lives that can allow us to be good members of society and yeah. to be able to help lift society in any way we can That's amazing. with our sphere of influence that we have, you know? Um, Pause real quick. Yep. Go go back to that because now remind me you are an endodontist now. Yes. And you and when Indiana you were in school right? I was in dental school. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't know everything about being in dental school, but I do know this that it's very hard to have any money because you're a lot of school <laughs> lo- student loans. You you will eventually you, right? Wait, you know that had, I had a lot of money in dental school, but there was a little teeny tiny negative sign in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a red a yeah, red yeah, yeah, yeah okay right. it, was, it was red money yeah but so <laughs> not so, black money. <laughs> so the thing that I want I want to just kind of pause on this this is I mean as you share this I feel it from your heart because you, you know and you 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 have some emotions coming out. Um, this is a very this is a very impactful thing that's happening in your life, and yet at that moment you and Dorsey. You didn't have you didn't have money. It's, no, I'm sure that no, you were no. like you yourselves we were, going we home, living, going. We're living on loans, right? Yeah. And grocery shopping to you is probably probably uh, caused stress because it's like, how the heck do we, like, how do sure. we balance our own bills? And yet, here you are seeing this, and this is something that impacts your life in a, in a way where it's like, you recognize, wow, I do, I have been given much, and and I need to I need to try and figure out in my life how I can make sure that I, it's amazing how God. Through us, it's almost like we can act as a conduit for him to to share his feelings of another child of his, and get us to open our eyes and say, Absolutely. "Like you need to see this child as I see them," and, and it'll it'll mold and shape your yeah. soul. And it's hard to do. It's hard to do sometimes if you don't have that that 
that foundation, that perspective. I, I think oftentimes people will ask, you know, well, well, who am I? What's my purpose in life? Why, why am I here? What, what am I doing yeah. with my life? Yeah. You know, I, I know I've asked myself that. And I, for me, I will always be grateful to my parents for how I was, uh, how I was raised in terms of, in terms of the life lessons that I was taught at a young age. And that is one that has been taught to me since I was born. How cool. And that is that I am a child of God. Yeah. And, um, I think one thing that I, I admire about my parents in that respect is I saw them live that. Yeah. I saw my mom and my dad, both in their own ways, which were unique, I saw them uh, caring for other people. Sure. So you, you grew know? up in an environment where this was, they they would have recognized the same thing with that gentleman, right? It's all these distractions. You're at a concert. Like, yes, they would. Yes, yes they would. I, you know? awesome. And that was that was nice. And, and it, was, it was nice um, because... Uh, that gentleman, whoever he was and where he is, he had a different skin color than we do. Yeah. Um, but I was never taught about skin color growing up. Didn't matter. It di- it didn't matter. Yeah. It really, it really your brother. didn't matter. And yes, I was, I was taught that he was my brother. Yeah. Um, and that it didn't matter what culture or background it came from. And so I kudos to my parents for, um, for teaching me that. That's awesome. Um, they, and they truly lived that. And so um, that's been a great strength to me as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, grow, growing up, I, I I did not grow up in the best of circumstances. I didn't know it when I was younger. Um, but I grew up in what I would consider a a lower socioeconomic class. Um, in California. Yes, I was in right. Northern California. So I was we were right in the heart of wine country, just about an hour north of San Francisco. Sure. Um, Being LDS in wine country is not... Yeah, not an easy it's thing. The, it's the best wine that I've never had. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard great things. <laughs> right, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, we, we, were not, we were not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. My dad um, graduated from high school, took a semester or two of college, and realized that that was not for him. Um, he was going to go into the photography business. His, his dad, my grandpa, gra- Grandpa Keith, um, owned Keith's Photoshop. Um, in Santa Rosa. And my dad was going to take that over, um, realized that uh, in order for his parents to be able to have a good retirement, that they would need to sell the practice to somebody that wasn't him. Sure. Um, Mm. And so they did that. um, And my dad was able to find a job. But, you know, he he worked the night shift a lot. um, And I saw the toll that it took on him. And I remember uh, as a 10-year-old, he sat the family down one evening and said you know, listen, I've only got a high school education. I'm lucky to have the job that I have. It's not my favorite job. It's not the job I would have picked, but I was limited in my options. And he said, you know, you guys need to start thinking about, I, I'm the third out of six kids. And, and he said, you guys need to start thinking of, thinking now about what you want to do with your life in the future. And I said, when you, he said, when you, when you select your career, it really needs to fulfill two obligations. Number one, you need to enjoy it. And number two, it needs to be able to support the family. He said, now, most likely, if you're going to fulfill that second obligation of being able to support the family, it means that you probably need to go to college. Yeah. And I can't afford to send you to college. So you've got to figure out a way to get there on your own. Um, so you're 10. I'm 10. And, and tell me, yeah. <clears throat> now, there's six kids in your family. Tell me at this point, where, where are the, other, the rest of the siblings? Were you, are you the youngest? You I'm, the, the... I'm the third out of six. Okay. Yeah. So I've got an older brother. He's four years older than I am. Uh, an older sister who's, who's two years older than I am, and then I've got uh, I've got three younger brothers. Okay, so, so he sits you down. 
a little family home evening together, right? Uh-huh. And, and as a 10-year-old boy, you remember this, clearly this message from your dad. Because, I mean, yeah. it, it's standing out to you, and, and you take this to heart. <clears throat> John, I, we talked a little bit yeah. before this podcast, and I remember being 10 years old. And I definitely, you know, I think, I think my parents probably shared multiple messages mm-hmm. like that to me. And I think my mind was so focused on, like, basketball and getting, finding black widows in the field so I could try and blow <laughs> them up with little firecrackers or something. You know what I mean? Right, like, it's just right. dumb little boy things are going yeah. to burn ants with magnifying glass. I, yeah. But I, that's, that's amazing that you were at that point in your life where you were able to recognize what's going on. Mm-hmm. And when your dad shared this message with you, it kind of stopped you. And you, yeah. you actually, as a 10-year-old boy, started going, okay, okay, I need to think about this. Well, I think, I think there was a couple things that drove that. The first one is when I was younger and to, still to an extent today, um, I, was, I was very much a perfectionist, um, which is not a good thing. Um, I, like OCD type? No, I wouldn't say that I was OCD, yeah. but I, I had to get straight A's. Ah. I had to. Um, it was a mentality. And Was uh, that one you developed in yourself, or was that because you felt other people expected that of you? Uh, I, would, I would say a combination, okay. but I would, I would probably say more myself. Sure. So your parents were proud of you even if you didn't. Yeah, yeah. But my, my, parents were, my parents, yeah, they were proud of me even if I didn't. Um, I think my, you know, my mom pushed for straight A's Sure. As well. Um, like a good parent would, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, um, but I'm really realizing as an adult that's not a healthy thing. Sure, it, it's not. Okay. Um, what is a healthy thing is: Are you doing the best that you can do? There you go. Are you giving it your all? And I'll tell my kids. I'll tell my kids this too. You know. In fact, I am telling, especially yeah. with, with COVID nineteen. Yeah. Virtual learning has has been extremely rough on my children. Yeah. Um, and I think many are in that same boat. I think so. Yeah. There, I, I my oldest is currently getting uh, D's and F's in a lot of his classes. And this is a, this kid's awesome. And he's a bright, he's a smart. He kid. is a bright young man. Yeah. yeah and I, I I love him to death. Um, great, great young man. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard to see him struggle. Yeah. But at the same time, I can look at that and go. I know how to handle this. Yeah. And I know that I know what he needs to develop right now to make it through this. And I know that he's going to be okay if he chooses to do that. And while I was able to get straight A's in, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school, um, I graduated with, with a GPA that was over 4.0. Um, how's that possible? I graduated with a GPA under 0.0. So I you have some honors, <clears throat> honors classes and whatnot. But uh, I was I was blessed in that school came relatively easy for sure. me. Sure, but you pushed yourself I was, hard. I was, I was cursed in that because yeah. well because I did not develop good study habits. I got it. It just kind of came to me. Okay, and the I think it came to me because my drive was I have to get that A. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do whatever I can to get that A because that's what was important to me. Yes. Um, what should have been important to me is how do I develop a good study habit? How do I develop a good routine? Because in college, it did not come easy to me. And it's totally different. I had had to bust my tail. And it was, I I give credit to Dr. Uh, Dennis Fujita from the Santa Rosa Junior College. All right, Dennis. Who uh, I took his uh, five credit hour uh, inorganic chemistry class. And uh, that was was five credit hours of a C. (laughs) That's that has has carried with me for the rest of my yeah. life, you know, because dental schools they look at that and yeah. they look at that that big old fat C and go, C here? Well, yes, yeah. you know. Um, and so for me, that was a big turning point where I was like, "Oh, I've got to learn some things that I didn't learn sure. in school." 
And so with my kids, I'm trying to teach them, you need to learn how to calendar. You yeah. need to learn how to set your set your schedule and put some downtime in there. Sure. But but ultimately, I don't I really don't care about that A. Yeah. If you're if you're busting your tail best you can and you get a C, that's gonna be the hardest earned C that you'll ever have. And I will be proud of that. Yeah. And what that will tell me as a parent is okay, well, maybe this subject is not your strong suit, and maybe we shouldn't we should just not focus on that. And let's focus on what your strengths are yeah. and see if we can develop those talents that you've been given. Yeah. And and work on that. You it, know. So for me growing up though, I, I was I was perfectionistic. If I yeah. if I got an A minus, I was a little bit disappointed. I was still yeah. glad I was in the A, but yeah. I was just and if I got a B plus, I was Yes. No kidding. I was, and that's that's not good. That is not a that's not a healthy thing. Yeah. The other thing I think that drove me to remember what my dad said though, um, was I was tall, but I was rail thin. Skinny boy. Rail thin. Like I mean, a like if you were those, if knee, you were, those knees were knobbly. Stick you out know? your tongue and sort of turn sideways. You look like a zipper. Right. right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that one before. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's exact. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know. Um, and I got made fun of for that. Yeah. I, mean, I it made fun of bad. And so, you, I so had, you like dealt with some bullying because of that? Absolutely. Cause I you did. were, you were trying, absolutely you loved sports and so in basketball uh-huh. and all those uh-huh. things and you were trying to play and, yep. and that you got teased a little bit for that. Yeah. I got you. Mm-hmm. I, I got teased a lot for that. Yeah. So I was trying to, I was trying to prove myself and I was just, I was trying to look for, um, for a way up. I yeah. guess. Um, and so when my dad was kind of giving this advice, I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause I'm going to be an adult one day. Yeah. And I should probably figure out what I'm going to do, you know. Um, and I still thought I was going to be the next Michael Jordan. Every kid did at that yeah. time, right? You yeah. know. Um, um, so I, I got to thinking, and then you know, fast forward two years. So I was I was now the the, the ripe old age of twelve. Okay. <laughs> and I was going to the dentist, and and my dentist, his name is uh, Rick Wiseman, and he's now he's now happily retired. Um, Doctor Smiley, smile, Doctor Doc- Smile. Right, his his he had a Toyota Four Runner, and his license plate said Doctor Smile. I love it, it, you know. And and we went to church with him, and and he was our dentist. And yeah. I was I was in his chair one day for either cleaning or filling or something. I I can't remember, but as a twelve year old boy, as a twelve year old boy, <clears throat> and um, he excuses himself to go see another patient, as as, as dentists will often do. And and uh, so I I turned around and, and I was looking at all of his instruments that were laid out on the table, and and I like tools. <laughs> Open door on that one. You can go wherever you want that. But you're I was such looking, a big right, tool right, yourself. Right, right. <laughs> so I was looking at that and going, "Oh wow, he gets to he gets to use all those. Those are awesome. Those are really cool." You yeah. know. And then and then I kind of I, I kind of was looking around, and he had a beautiful office. I yeah. Went, Wait a minute, Doctor Wiseman. He owns this whole office, and he doesn't have to work on the weekends, and he doesn't have to do the night shift like my dad. And and I, I, I that was the other thing that my dad showed me is is I mean he would work the night shift and it just it just ripped him up yeah that's not an easy life you no. know and so kudos to those who Made, who makes time makes time hard and then hang, yeah. and then you want to spend time with your kids and you're just tired yeah, right like beat, how do you engage yeah, yeah. And, and so I saw that and I was like wait Doctor Wiseman doesn't have to do that yeah he's not doing he's not he's not doing dentistry at midnight yeah. you know I mean. And then my my naive twelve year old brain was looking at going, and he can take a vacation whenever he wants. He's, yeah. he's the boss. He can yeah. he can just do that. And he's got know? a cool in the nineties, early nineties. He's got a cool forerunner. That's right. Those were sweet. That's right. Yeah. You know. And so I'm like, I think I can do this. Yeah. I think I think this is what I want to do. As a twelve year old boy, it's starting to dawn on you that yep. hey, okay, yep. huh? So so Doctor Wiseman mm-hmm. comes back in, and uh, uh, I said, Doctor Wiseman, I think I can be a dentist. That's and, awesome. And he, yeah, he looks at me and he's got, he's got, 
he's got this, these eyes that just, that just can just pierce you. Yeah. Um, like he's looking into your soul. Yes. And and in a good way though. Yeah. What, what a, I can't speak highly enough of Dr. Wiseman, just an absolute phenomenal man. He he was very gentle as a dentist, which is, which is great, which, which helped me. Yeah. Um, and he says, you think so? And I said, yeah. And he said, he said, you know what? I think so too. I said, here's what it's going to take. You know, you're going to have to go to college. That's four years. Yeah. You're going to have to serve your two year mission for the church, you know? And, and so he threw that plug in there and they said, and then you've got to do another four years of dental school on top of that. He's like, that's hard to do, but I know you can do it. You can do it. You can do that. You know, if you really put your mind to it. And I said, yeah, like I, that's what I want to do. And I don't know where this came from, but I just, out of the blue, I'm like, can I come back tomorrow and just watch what you do? That's awesome. As a 12 year old boy. And that's, and that's where it started. And so I came back the next day and job shouted him. That was, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. No kidding. I found that there were some boring parts to it. You know, the the paperwork aspect of it, but I I knew that any job that's out there, there's going to be parts of it that are going to be kind of boring or that you don't like to do. That's so, that's not typical though. As a 12 year old boy, that's not typical for... Without without the push of a parent and saying, "Hey, go do this and help," and then them kind of setting that up, that's not typical of a twelve year old boy to do. So, so, so what? Why is it? Is it because you felt this like? You, did you because Doctor Wiseman in saying, "I know you can do it," that kind of verbiage to you and kind of being present in the moment to stop and go, "He's serious. I want to. I want to yeah. engage with him." Right? Is it? Is it because he made it safe for you and then he uplifted you and and so you were like. Hey, I want to be back around this guy. Like, oh, absolutely, so, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, uh, doctors in general can sometimes have a, a bit of a complex. <laughs> you know, where it's, oh, I'm a, do- I'm a doctor. Yeah, you know, um, I was, I was uh, introduced and surrounded by a lot of doctors who were not like that. Yeah. Doctor Wiseman was the first. Yeah, um, a very humble man, um, and just a good example of somebody who loves to serve. Um, Phenomenal. Uh, later on, when I was uh, 15, um, there's a lady that I, I, I babysat for, and she was friends with a, with a local endodontist, yeah. uh, Dr. Jim Abbott. And he gave me my, my first job in the dental field. And uh, boy, what a phenomenal man. I, as I, a 15-year-old? As a 15-year-old. Yeah. I, was, I was his uh, sterilization technician. All right. And so I, I got to wear a white lab coat. Yes. And, and I, went, I would go into the operatories after they were done. I, I'd clean, clean, clean up. up and sterilize. I'd bring all the equipment back to the lab and clean and sterilize them. And then I'd turn the rooms around, set them back up. And, and that was my first taste of dentistry, and I loved it. And you, um, you enjoyed that? I enjoyed it. How cool. Um, Dr. Abbott paid me well, but more importantly... Um, he he treated me well. He treated me as a part of his team. That's great. And and I felt like I was important to him. Yeah. And so this wasn't just a hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this kid a chance. I think that with him being an adult, he saw my life circumstance. Yeah. And he was okay. introduced by a, f- a friend of mine. You know, well, um, her name is Andy Brady. Um, and I again, I used to babysit for her, and she sure. she had the foresight to go. He okay. He knew she knew I wanted to be a dentist. Yeah. And, and she knew a dentist, and and she made that connection for me. You've, um, you've had a lot so. of, in, in your early years, you've had a lot of people that just kind of paused and in that moment, that minister, like kind of that word minister comes to me, but just stopped and said, okay, here's a young man that, that is inquisitive. He's asking questions. He yep. wants to know. He's yep. trying. And, and if you would have if, if had a doctor or somebody else kind of look at you and go, Oh, cool. Well, here's what you have to do, and then be on your way. Yeah. Like, which is such an easier thing to do. Oh, yeah. You don't and, have to invest in energy. And I've, and I've had people say that. Yeah, you know? but but uh, you had these people, these little spots of light in your life that kind yes. of stopped in the moment and said, yes. 
Okay, John. Yeah. Let me. And this is here's something that they can mm-hmm. do for me. Um, and and they I think they saw my position in life better than I did at the time. Really? I, I, I know they did. Yeah. I, just just having that adult perspective. Yeah. I didn't see it. I mean, again, I grew up in I, I would say a lower socioeconomic class. Sure. But I didn't necessarily realize or appreciate that at the time. I I, and I, I think that they did. I, I thought that I had to. The way you talk about your parents, I'm sure in their circle of influences, people saw your parents and, and really appreciated who they were because if they, if they truly lived their lives thinking that every person that you see and you come in contact with is your brother or your sister, mm-hmm. and we all come from the same Heavenly Father, that although they, they may not have had all of the things and the money, mm-hmm. people probably saw that in your parents and felt like, God, these are some special people. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that uh, one of the great thing, things about my parents is um, integrity. Yeah. You look at them and there's no question that they have they have integrity and that they share that integrity and that um, uh, you can you can know their motives are, are, are pure in and, that respect. And that opened the door for you with some absolutely. of these people later. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that, 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 that's me, a powerful yeah, thing. That helped me create the mindset that yeah. I, I've always grown up with. Um, and I, I definitely would not be where I am today without those people who are willing to to put a hand out and help me up. I love it. Um, and so that's that's what got you know. I, and so that that fueled the dream. Yeah. Um, I was also in high school. I was I was becoming um, pretty gifted in track and field. Uh-oh. I was I was a high jumper. Uh oh. So that helped. Yes. And, and I realized I realized in junior high school I I, I broke the junior high school record for, oh, for high jump. And I high realized, jump. I realized that hey I've I've got some potential here. I got skills. Yeah. There was a guy when I was in junior high school. There was a guy who had just graduated from one of the local high schools, and he. Um, he jumped seven feet in the high jump as, okay. as a senior in high school. Okay. I mean, and that was This just, is out in California. This is in California. Okay. And that just wasn't, that was just unheard of. I'm Did like, you see that? And you're like, that is cool. I, or- I saw that because I was reading the papers. And yeah. I was, whenever I get the paper in the morning, I always turn straight to the sports So, page, you So, know? but you're, you're growing up, you're like basketball, Michael Jordan. So how did yeah. your brain go? Hey, this high jumping thing, like this is, this is pretty cool stuff. Man. I, I tried out for basketball in junior high yeah. and one year in high school. And yeah. I got cut every single time. Man. Um, you hadn't grown into your body yet, man. So what happens to you guys that yeah. are so tall? So I was, I was talented. Yeah. But yeah, I was scrawny. Yeah. I was scrawny and I got, I got cut. Yeah. Um, well, cut. I never made it. You know, when I, you have I, size I, I 18 shoes and, you, and your body's still skinny as well, that's, <laughs> right. you tend to right. trip over your own feet. I've yes. seen that before. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was me. Um, you know, and so I, I went out for, for track and field. I actually got started with that, um, that's a, that's another story for another time. But so you, you couldn't I, have been got, too speedy and fast for I, track I was, and field, were you? I was. Okay. No, I was quick. Is that why you went into track and field? You're like, hey, I'm pretty I, fast. So I, can... I, I started off in cross country. Yeah. Okay. And I and, and I could do distance running, but I was not a distance okay. runner. Okay. Yeah. And and I didn't I didn't enjoy it. It didn't it didn't thrill me. Sure. Um, the competition part did, but the actual events didn't. And so I went. I you know started cross country in the fall, and then the spring I'm like, well, I'll go out for the track team. Yeah. Um, for you long distance runners out there, <clears throat> I don't know how you get thrilled by that. I, <laughs> right. I go out and run and I see the same tor- trees every torture. time. And I'm like, oh, this is the it's worst. Tor- yeah. It's torture. Yeah. It's torture. Some so I went up for track and the first thing I saw was a high jump pit. And I'm like, that looks way more fun than running around in circles. <laughs> like, that's where I'm going. You know? Really? So like, so yeah. pretty quickly early on in track and field, you're yeah. like, yes. That's what I want. And then, that's and then there's the long jump pit. You get to run and jump in the yeah. sand. You know? Yeah. That's way funner than running around in circles. Yeah. You know? And then the people who did hurdling, they're just crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I, I saw the, you see the accidents that yes. happened with that. I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I started doing that and, and I was, I was good. I, I had a very natural 
ability for it. And, and I, so I was looking at this, how, this how guy. long did it take you to figure that out when you first started doing it? Cause that's um, not, it's not an easy thing to just go be no, like, oh, I'm going to jump over a bar. So yeah. So the, the first couple of times I, um, you know, I, I was jumping over four foot six, like it was nothing. Okay. Yeah. Know? And then I, they rose the bar to four feet, 10 inches. Yeah. And you get three chances at each height. Yeah. To make it. And, and, uh, all three times I hit the bar and my back landed on top of the bar, which was on top of the mattress. And that hurts. That, oh my goodness. And I'm like, Nope, this is not, <laughs> don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. And my, yeah. mom, my mom was nice enough. I'm like, you know, keep trying, yeah. keep trying. Let's see if we can get you some more coaching. You know? Okay. And, so this was, was so, this in a competition or was this you? This was a practice. Okay. You practicing. Like, oh, I don't, yeah, yeah. don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and, uh, so nice. No, we stuck with it and, uh, and I realized that, okay, I've got, I've got some potential here. And I saw this, this, this kid, the senior in high school who popped a seven footer. And uh, I'm like, you know what? I can do that. I can do that. No like, kidding. I am excelling. I just broke the middle school record. Oh, you did? I did. And what, what? This is in eighth grade. I, so I jumped by when I graduated from eighth grade, I had jumped five feet, seven inches. Okay. So 410, you were how old when you started doing this? About 12. And you were trying about to do the same, four... about the same time I decided I wanted to be a dentist. Okay. Yeah. And you're oh. trying to do 410. Yep. And you hurt your back. Hurt my like, back. I'm like, I'm never doing this yeah. again. Yeah. And, and then by the eighth grade, you're up to five foot. Up five foot seven. Five foot seven. Yeah. So you've got to go I another just, foot and five inches or so, whatever. Something like that. Yeah. Whatever, whatever yeah. it is. That, yeah. Okay. But so, in your mind, you're like, okay. Yeah. That's the like, goal. I can, I can do this. Yeah. I, this is, I'm, I want to be in the I'm paper. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went through high school and I fell short. I went. I jumped uh, six feet seven inches, which was still great. Ooh. I was number two on the all-time list for Montgomery High School and um I, more important than that though, I had some phenomenal coaches. Yeah. Um, I'm still in contact with them. Um, but especially coach Malvino, I still call him coach. You know, I love it. you know, he tried to tell me afterwards, he just call me Matt. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 you're no. a coach. Yeah. You yeah. know that, that for me, I, I, maybe as, as odd as it sounds, that's a, that's a sacred word. For oh, me. for sure. Somebody who's a coach, yep. if, if they are a true coach, um, that that's something that, that will change be. your life. And, and coach Malvino, uh, definitely did that. I've me. got a couple of, I know exactly so, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, boy, I could tell you whole stories on that one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so you, like, you finish your high school career at I six, seven, at six, seven, not good enough to play division one. Okay. I knew at that time I wanted to go to BYU. That's okay, where my so, mom went to school. And that was, was this a good, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, is this, fine. is this a goal? Like, so are you looking at, at, as you're getting into your high school career, are you looking at high jumping as like, Hey, I got to get a, a scholarship or this yes. is the win for yes, me. Yes. Kay. I knew, I knew that if I can get to seven feet or even close to seven feet, yeah. like six ten or higher, um, that I could, I could go to a division one school. Okay. I wanted to go to BYU for a couple of reasons. That's where my mom went to school. Sure. And she's a bigger athlete than I am. Yeah. She, she got a full ride scholarship to BYU for basketball Yes. and volleyball. Okay. I mean, she's, she's a stud. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No. And, 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 uh, no, she can still beat the crap out of me. Yeah. She needs to, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> You don't mess with me. Oh yeah. No. So, so I had that, but, but even on top of that, I was already looking at dental school and I knew that at the time Brigham Young University had the highest acceptance rate to dental schools out of the entire country. Really? They were 25, their acceptance rate was 25% above the national average wow. acceptance rate for undergraduate institutions. No kidding. So I wanted to go to BYU yeah. for all of those reasons. And so I had called up, well, no, not in high school. I, so in high school, I'd only jumped six, seven. And, uh, that was not going to be good enough for, for division. Yeah. And so, um, the local junior college, uh, their, their track coach, uh, called me up and said, Hey, listen, Johnny, how do you feel about coming to the, to the local junior college? I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, 
great institution. He said, listen, you've got the Doyle scholarship. You wouldn't have to be paying for a thing because you've got great grades. And I've got a high jump, a long jump coach. His name is, is coach Bob. Um, and, uh, and he is phenomenal. He's a, he's a kinesiologist by trade. So he knows human movement and biomechanics and stuff like that. And you, you and him would work so well together. So, so I thought about now. it. So I came there for now. Um, and the, the school record at the junior college was seven feet, two inches. Okay. And I wasn't shooting for it, but I was, I was saying, Hey, you know, okay, this is free education. Cause you didn't hit it's seven a good feet education. in high school, no, right? I yeah. was six, seven. Yeah. I, was, I was five inches short. So you were thinking, Holy that's God. half a foot. And, yeah. that, and that in, in the high jumping realm, that's, that's, that's hard. Yeah. yeah. Every, every inch is, is a harder yeah. inch. <clears throat> and I started working with coach Bob and immediately the first track meet of the season, I, I jumped six ten. Really? Like, I've got the whole season ahead of me. Let's do so this. So that's I am three two inches, inches away. Yeah. Bam. Just like that. And is it, is like it, that. did it have anything to do with him or was it your body? Oh, it, and, it absolutely. So, so I think, I think part of it was, was just my physical maturity. I was sure. still maturing, you know, sure. I still, still growing and developing. Um, but the other part of it was just the mechanics. I mean, coach Bob, he's like, I've, I've seen you jump. I've seen the pictures like, do you only have to tweak a few things yeah. and you're going to be amazing? Yeah. Like, Okay, let's do this. You yep. know, and so in the off season, we were we were lifting weights, we were doing plyometrics, we were sprinting, we were running up those those stadium stairs, we were doing everything, and everything had a purpose. And he told me why we yeah, were doing these different that's exercises. Awesome. This is what is building it. This is how it's tweaking those fast twitch muscle fibers and things like that. Um, and so my first track meet, I popped us. I, I went six ten. I'm like, oh, here we go. And I called up. So I called up the BYU track coach. All of a said, sudden, the hey. lights are flashing in John's brain. And, and the coach said, we'd love to have you. It's like I can't offer you a scholarship though unless you break the seven foot barrier. I'm like, I, and I need, I yeah. need that scholarship. Yeah. Like, okay, I've got an entire season to do it. And it wasn't until the very end of the season. You know, I, I, I had, was dealing with some shin splints about midway through the season, healed from that. Yeah. Um, and I was just, I was so close. And I had, uh, all throughout the season, I had attempted seven feet several times. And again, you get three chances to yeah. be tight. And, um, and every, almost every time, I'd, I'd, I'd jump, I'd land on the pit, I'd turn around enough to see that bar just wobble. Wiggling. And then, fall, oh. right? And so here's my dreams. And so at this point, I had been jumping for seven years. Yeah. And I get down to the second to the last track meet of the year, the, the Northern California Championships. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm leaving for my mission in the summer. Like, I, I need to do this. Yeah. And uh, Hold on. As you tell the story, yeah. I've got some theme music in my mind that I'm thinking. <laughs> Chariots of Fire. There you go. So, love that. Yeah. Love with that, that in mind, listeners, let's let's hear the story. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, do, 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 and do, do, what's great do, do, do. Is, is I also had, of course, you have to have a nemesis in here, you know? And there's yeah, always this guy yeah, that jump in. And, that guy. And initially, initially, I was, when I, that first track meet of the season, I jumped 610. I was I was the best in the in the California Community College division. Yeah. Um, and then he came in, he, uh, I think he had jumped, he had popped a seven footer. Ooh. And so he was kind of the, the, the big guy, you know, and, and I, I called him sloppy Joe because <laughs> his approach and his jump was real sloppy, but man, he, he, was, flex- he was flexible. He could yeah. bend himself and, and half backwards and just, yeah. and just, and just whip Which it over. Yeah. Makes a huge difference. Makes a huge difference, yeah. right? You know? But he was just he was just real sloppy in how he did everything. But I mean, the the kid could jump natural, you know? and uh, and he knew I was his biggest threat, and so he naturally just didn't want. Did you guys look at each other across the field? We, we, and we did. Like, we did. Hey, you! Did. I'm coming for you, sloppy <laughs> Joe. <laughs> you know, at first I didn't really have anything too, but he had kind of marked me and and, and said, "Okay, yeah, yeah. this guy's this guy's it." Um, the rivalry. Hey. So yeah. So so here we are in the Northern California Championships, and it's just down to me and him. And uh, the bar was set to seven feet and one quarter of an inch. Um, 
And so we have three attempts, and uh, he goes in. He hits it on his first attempt. Ooh. He 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 gets it. Drills like, it. Oh, I'm like, all right, I jump, miss, jump again, miss. Uh, and, and you get three jumps. And I get three jumps. And so at that particular time, I'm sitting there, and, and I'm like, I, I need to pray. And so, you know, I said my prayer, Heavenly Father, I know this is just high jumping. And that in the end, this is really not, this is inconsequential. But for me, this is important. I've been working for seven years. I'm trying to break this seven-foot barrier so that I can go to college. I can be a dentist. I can support this future family that I hope to have. This is just important for me. Please, please help me put everything together that I've trained for. Yeah. And so I run and I jump and I land. I land and I and so I I'm, you know you land and you, you roll over backwards and. I roll over backwards and I look up, and that bar is wobbling again. It's, so you touch the bar. I, yes, I touch it. It's wobbling. I'm like, no, come on, come on. And I'm just watching. I'm waiting for it to fall, and it's just wobbling and wobbling. And finally, I look over just at the stops. judge, and the judge puts his hands up and says, you passed. Yes. And it never, so I'm you like, stopped watching the bar. You I'm looked like, over again. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, so it's great. And it never fell. It's, yeah. They steady. It, yes. it never fell. Yes. I'm like, <clears> what? What an answer to prayer. And uh, I was I was elated. I was elated. I so that's all I it took. Care. I didn't care if I won or not. Okay. But I, I had jumped seven feet, one quarter of an inch. So, so so did you win the match then? Well, it gets better. Okay. So yeah. The, so the match continues. Yes. So then they bump it up the by next two one. inches. So and seven two and a quarter. Holy cow! Yeah, so so. It's, I mean, we're not talking a half an inch or an no, inch. No. Two inches. When you're when you're still competing against somebody else, they, the standard is to increase it two inches. Oh my time. gosh! So in your mind, were you kind of like? Well, at least I got the one. I got, I got my goal. I got it. Yeah. I got, I so got what I So then you ease up on yeah. yourself. So again, three attempts, and Sloppy Joe misses all three of his. Really? So he's out. You've got him shaking. For man. me, for me, the first one, I my first attempt. I mean, I don't even come close. I just, <laughs> don't like, I'm just. I mean, I knock that thing. <laughs> At this point, I'm used to taking the bar. If I know I miss, I take that bar and I sweep it right down into my legs. I'm yeah. not. I'm not landing on yeah. that thing again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Second time, same thing. Yeah. Third time, I'm like, you know, what? I need to pray again. Yeah. And I start my prayer and I say, Heavenly Father, I, I cannot ask you for anything else. You have given me exactly what I've asked for. I know that I've got a scholarship secured at BYU. Thank you. That's all it was. That's it. Oh, I love that. That's it. Mm. And then I got this impression before I start my jump. And uh, I'm like, you know what? My body knows how to do this. I know how to jump. So you know what? I'm just going to tell my brain, got this. Just jump up and trust that your body is going to take care of the yeah, rest. Yeah, the fundamentals will come. Yes. You jump. Yes. And so I I run, my approach is strong and I I pop and I just drive that knee up and I land and I turn around fully expecting to see the bar wobble. No, I fully expect to see the bar off round <laughs> like it was the previous yeah. two jumps and I turn around and that bar not even moving. is clean. Yes. Not even moving. And do, I do, do, just, do, do. <laughs> I mean, that was great. Oh. I've got one. There was a there was one of my one of my track mates, and she had a, a disposable camera. Yeah. And that was the only picture I've got. And that's actually sitting on my I've got it on my my desktop computer oh, I love at it. work, you know, just as a reminder. And uh, so I remember um, you know, so I won the I won the meet. Um, 
And I remember after the competition was over, I had to try to find a, a, a private place to go, which was by the side of the road behind a, a very private uh, chain link see-through fence. <laughs> you know, you know where that but I came needed, from. I needed to, I needed to, and I knelt down and I just, uh, and I wept. That's and I awesome. Said, I said, thank you. Thank you for, for letting me not only accomplish my dream, but to remind me that, that when you rely on the Lord, you can do things that are greater than what you thought you were yeah. capable of. Because I had never, not even in practice, I had never even attempted seven feet, two inches. Yeah. And I did seven, two and a quarter, which was a quarter of an inch higher than the, than the, the track record at the junior college. Yeah, I think you know, <clears throat> and, uh, it was a reminder to me of how, of how powerful, uh, relying on the Lord is. And, and I'll tell you what, you know, I, I, I tell people now that, um, my high jumping days are gone and much more uh, physically well-rounded and well-grounded because of it, you know? <laughs> I love it. So I, I don't think I could jump over a three-foot bar to save hey, my life, you know? You, but, if you throw uh, that up, you know? Yeah, inertia, <laughs> inertia, right? <laughs> Maybe if I had a cannon. Uh, but that that day, has I, I still remember it vividly, and I still remember the lessons that I've learned because of that. And I tell you what, that has probably saved my life more than once. That's amazing. Because, you know, I... You know, fast forward several years, so I go. I go to BYU. Um, I get accepted into to dental school at Indiana University, um, and that's hard. That I mean, I you know, as, as we talked about earlier, I, um, I, I had to learn how to do time management better. I had to I had to learn to what it means to buckle down and sure. study and to study into the early hours of the morning because I have a test every two weeks and if I fail those exams I fail the year and I have to repeat the year and that's another eighty thousand dollars out of my pocket you know um, and so uh, I did that um, but there were things that have happened in my life where um, I I've I've battled um, depression quite a bit. You know, I think that if, looking back, I've I've had a pretty a pretty blessed life. You know, I, um, I I don't deal with racial inequality. I don't I don't deal with a lot of the social injustices that are happening today. Um, I I grew up uh, in like like I said a, a lower socioeconomic class, but w- were we bottom of the barrel poor? No, there were times where my parents didn't know how they were going to fill the pantry to feed six kids, um, but they made it happen. Yeah. Um, and so I, I understand that I've been a lot more blessed than, than what some people are born into, you know. Um, but I still, I, 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 I developed a, a real struggle with depression, and I didn't know it. So, so you uh, didn't even recognize this in college? No, no, okay. I didn't. I didn't. Looking back, I think it started. So I served my mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I served in the New York City North Mission, um, which had Manhattan as part of its, as, uh, in its mission boundaries. I left the missionary training center in Provo, Utah, the morning of September 11, 2001. Oh, gotcha. Heading to New York City. That's okay. I didn't even know what the World Trade Centers were at the time. Yeah. I was, we had, we were scheduled to have a 30-minute layover in the Denver airport. And so about 10 minutes before we landed, uh, Tower 1 was hit. Holy cow. So, I mean, you're, I'm in you the pull in the day that's happening. Yes. Unreal. We were, we were there. And we, wow. we get off, we deboard, or de, yeah, deboard the airplane. And we, we check into our other gate, and the guy that was at the gate said, you know, there's, there's been an accident in New York City. It's going to be about a half an hour delay. Okay. You know, and so I'm, we're watching it on the news, um, and uh, we watch as Tower 2 gets hit. Oh. 
And I still remember there was this beautiful African-American woman um, in front of me, and she just collapsed and was crying. I'm like, well, what is going on? Um, and as we know, 9-11 unfolds. And, and you're I'm right there in the I'm city. I'm supposed to be going there. Holy I was supposed to be there later that morning. Oh, you were still in Salt Lake. No, I was, we were in Denver. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we were, on we, your were land, we were landing in Denver for a layover, for just a brief layover. Yeah. That brief layover ended up being six days. Wow. And so um, we finally make it out. I flew, I flew over ground zero. I've walked up to ground zero. Um, I've seen it smolder. I, my first area was in the South Bronx, which is just just north of Manhattan Island. Um, and if you go up on top of on the rooftops of the projects up there, you saw the haze that was over there Still. For, for a good three months. Oh my gosh! And it's t- it, that was that was tough, you know. And I was I was young. I was night. I was a fresh nineteen year old, and I didn't fully appreciate the significance of it. But I was there for the two years afterwards. And when I left, I saw the big square pit. That was the cleanup area for Ground Zero. Oh, and, um, I, and I, <clears throat> I, th- I think as much as you're seeing that stuff, I can imagine the culture that you're working with, and that's all. That's what's on everybody's mind yes, in New York, yes, right? Absolutely. So you're just you're feeling this sorrow and this yeah. pain and this. Yeah, it's tough. And I and I I became good friends with uh, some of the first responders, with somebody who was an EMT, somebody who was a firefighter, and somebody who was a police officer. Rushed right down there, and uh, uh, and got to hear their stories and hear their heartbreak. And and you know, I was still this this young, strong, you know collegiate athlete, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and I handle it. And I served my mission and I, and I was fine. And I remember some, at some point after my mission, I was, I was sitting in the backyard of my sister's house and I remember seeing an airplane fly over just way high up there, just kind of seeing a silhouette, very similar to what I saw on the TV and something, something clicked and, and I was extremely uncomfortable. With no it. kidding. Um, I, I found pretty quickly that I had a very hard time looking at pictures of 9-11. And I had, it was almost impossible for me to actually see video footage of it. It was really, and as, as I got older, it got worse. And so I realized that that was a form of PTSD. And yeah. like, I haven't been, I wasn't traumatized myself. I didn't see it. I didn't see, I yeah. saw the aftermath of it. I didn't know anybody personally that but like I wasn't died going, that day. I wasn't going, well, not, not yet anymore. Yeah, right, you know, right, But I met, you know, family members yeah. and loved ones, of, you know, who had, but I, I was never physically harmed. Yeah. I was never, you know, so at, at first it was kind of, I kind of felt shame. For yeah. Me. Like John, like, what's wrong with you? man? Yes, yeah. exactly. I'm like, why? Come on. Why am I? Yeah, this is stupid. But, but yet it was, boots, yeah. but it was very real. Um, fast forward, you know, I, I was talking with my, my aunt, um, my, my dad's sister and she was very big into family history. And I, I found out that we have a, we have a very strong family history of, of mental illness and depression or, um, that runs through the generations that I was not aware of. I found out about that on my move from Georgia to Colorado. So that was in 2019. Um, but anyway, as, as I'm, as I'm going through the years, um, I realizing that it's just harder and harder for me, um, to handle nine 11. And, and my wife, uh, found, you know, obviously cause we're kind of discovering this together and she's been a great support. Um, I remember, uh, fast forward to 2015, I'm now a general dentist in the United States Air Force, and um, the dental unit is, always, is usually trained in mass casualty and triage management and things like that, and so I became the commander over that for a, a brief period of time. Um, but I was also trained in advanced cardiac life support because mm. I would do IV sedations when I, I was pulling people's wisdom teeth or things like that. Sure. Um, and there was, a, there was a lady who was on base... Um, and she was 62 years old. Her name is Mary. 
Um, Mary was morbidly obese, um, had some health problems, and she was at the pharmacy picking up her medications. And she walks out the pharmacy door, which is just, there was a very small cul-de-sac in the medical clinic where the dental, the dental sure. clinic was. And she collapsed. And so on the overhead announcement system, we heard a code blue. And so if we're not in the middle of treatment, you drop what you're doing and, and you run. So we heard this code blue pharmacy. And so me and, and my office mate, Dr. Cole, another phenomenal guy, yeah. um, uh, we went rushing. We said, well, let's take a shortcut across the cul-de-sac. And we see this lady on the ground. And she was, um, she was incontinent, which meant you know she lost her bowels. And, uh, and most of the time, we train for this all the time. And most of the time, it's when a code blue is called, it, it's a mock code blue. And so I'm thinking this is just another routine. Let's go. I see her on the ground. And, and all of a sudden. And I said, I said, Bill, this is real. Let's yeah. do this, you know. Um, and we did everything we could to save her. Um, I was on her chest pumping. Yeah. I was, I was, um, I was uh, managing her airway for part of the time and trying, sure. trying to get her to, to be able to breathe. Um, and she died. Yeah. She died of, of a very massive pulmonary embolism. Mm. Um, so a big blood clot in the lungs and that, and she was done. Mm. Um, and that shook me. That shook me. It taught me a couple of things. It taught me that, okay, my training works because when you, whenever you're going through CPR training, you're like, Oh my goodness, what, what am I going to do when yeah. this actually happens? Yeah. Am I, I going to remember? Never happened. Am I going to yeah. remember? And I was proud to know that I remember. You sprung into action. It just, it just hit. Yeah. Like, I was, I was proud of that. Yeah. To know that oh. if, if something like that happens, I can do it. And I've already, now I've already been through it. So I know that, okay, I will the act. first thing that you're, you're going to do is you're going to be pumping on that chest and you're pumping on that chest for two minutes before you're doing anything. Yeah. Else, so it gives you some time to think, you know, but that's that was scarring. That was very scarring. I can't um, imagine. You know, I, I watched somebody die in front of me for the first time, hopefully the last time. Um, but that, that rocked me as well. And, and it, it, it made me realize that, okay, maybe mentally I'm not as stable as I think I am. Sure. Um, so you're, you're kind of, this, I just want to put the, uh, uh, I want to circle this real quick here. So you're, you're, you've got some depression in your life. All of a sudden you recognize I've got some PTSD from yeah. this plane stuff, but it's, they're kind of separate, right? Kind, kind of, but I think one feeds into another. Sure. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this experience happens. Yeah. And so yeah. it's kind of like, yeah. And I, and I don't pretend to understand it. Sure. I, actually, I, I don't. Sure. But, but I think they certainly do feed into each other. Sure. You know? But I, so I'm realizing that, okay, as I'm going, so uh, fast forward to 2018, um, my wife suggested, you know what, maybe we need to go to New York city. Okay. I've, I've never been to New York city, John, you should take me. And I'm going, Okay. And it kind of need, means I need to kind of face my demons. Was with, that a hard thing? Like it. when she brought, was it like, okay, well. I, there was a lot of trepidation there. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, because I had never been back to New York. Um, and and I, I knew that I was just, every year it seemed like it was getting harder and harder. I'm like, but you know what? They've got a museum there now. And I should probably go there. I should probably go there. Maybe that can help me get some closure. Yeah. And, and I knew it was going to be hard, and, yeah. it, was, and it was. Yeah. Um, I, and I knew it was going to be. It's kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off, yeah. you know. Um, and so we, I had about three months to prepare. I agreed, and, and our trip was about three months away. I'm like, okay, I'm coaching myself. And, and uh, so we went, and we were staying at um, a Courtyard Marriott that was just right around the corner from Ground Zero and right next door to a fire department. Oh, Wow. And it was right around Christmas time. And what I think what got me the most is as we were walking to the hotel entrance, we passed by this, this fire station and they had a Christmas tree out 
and they had pictures of all the fallen uh, firefighters that were there. And that was hard to yeah. see. And, and boy, I'm so grateful that they ran in instead of away. Yeah. What just, I mean, so many stories of tremendous sacrifice Heroes. because of 9-11. And we just stopped and we probably stood in front of that tree for 10 minutes or so. And boy, that was really touching. And um, so we we had our vacation, their vacation that was there. And on the last day of the vacation, I, I wanted to spend the entire time at the memorial. And and what what a sacred place that is. Um, that was very healing because they have videos. And not only they have pictures, but they have the actual artifacts that are there. Like the fire truck that's melted in half um, that's there. One of my favorites was actually right at the end. There was a... a um, a metal cross that was sheared off as part of the, stru the structure of, of, uh, of uh, the World Trade Center. And that was propped up on the corner of the Ground Zero excavation site. And that, that provided a lot of hope to Christians and Jews and Muslims and, and, and even non-people who didn't believe in God. That provided a lot of hope. And I remember that as part of my mission. And I got to see that. And I got to see that up close. And I think a big part about it is I've got to see what New York has done in the 18 years since it had happened. And I got to see you know, the new Freedom Tower that's beautiful uh, and the 9-11 Memorial that's beautiful. And you got to see the people that were there today that are beautiful. Um, and that, that brought a lot of needed closure for me. And I can look at pictures now and I can see videos now and be at peace. And so for me, I... I'm lucky enough to have that. Um, having worked in the military, I saw a lot of PTSD come through the dental clinic. Um, and there's people who have seen and gone through things way worse than what I have experienced in my life. Um, and my heart goes out to them because I know a little bit, a little bit of what they go to. There's so many levels of PTSD, but I see that and I see them as a child of God and my heart reaches out to them and I can understand. And there's some who can't get closure in this life. Um, and my heart reaches out to them for that. But uh, So if we fast forward a little bit further, I, I get accepted into an endodontic residency. So Dr. Abbott, uh, who I worked for as a teenager, he was an endodontist, which is a specialist in root canals. Uh, who doesn't love root canals, right? <laughs> so, uh, But I saw, I saw what Dr. Abbott could do for people and how he treated people. And he treated them like people. He didn't treat them like a root canal. He treated them like people. And he understood. I mean, people don't go to a root canal specialist for cosmetics. Never. I mean, it's because it's almost always because they're in pain. And I got to see Dr. Abbott help them get out of pain and how grateful they were. And that's what inspired me to go into root canals. My story is is long. I didn't I wasn't this superstar college student. I mean, I got my butt kicked in college. Sure. And and my grades reflected that. Um, but I had the work ethic to, to make it through. So I eventually became an endodontist. Um, I got accepted to the uh, endodontic program in Georgia. This is a two-year program. And there I kind of started to realize that I think I've got some issues with, with depression. Mm. Um, but I was too prideful to reach out for help. I'm like, no, I can handle this. I, I don't want to be on medication. You know, I've studied I've studied those medications, and and there's some side there's some big side effects to antipsychotic medications. You know, um, some real big ones, and I didn't want any part of it. You know, um, but I remember there was one day uh, I was walking through Costco doing doing the shopping for the family, and I was in the paper plate aisle, 
and I was walking through and just out of nowhere, it just felt like everything got real quiet mm. and there was just this sense of impending doom mm. that I couldn't explain. Um, and I felt like just the most worthless piece of garbage to ever walk the face of the earth. And here I am, I'm living my dream residency of being an endodontist. And I know, I know what kind of money an endodontist can make. And that's way better than the lifestyle I had growing up. And I know, I knew the potential that it has to be able to support my family and to be able to do good things, random acts of kindness or set up, you know, set up recurring donations to whatever we want to do. Um, it allows me to not have to work evenings so that I can focus on my family. I can focus on um, doing the things that, you know, that Dorsey and I want to do. Um, and so I'm, and I'm living this dream. I'm so close to being there. And yet I felt like I was worthless and I couldn't explain it. And I had had those feelings before, but I was able to pull myself out. As I was getting older and older though, I found that it was getting harder and harder mm. for me to pull out of those. And this is one where I wasn't pulling out of it. Yeah. And that scared me. And it was at the point where I was considering taking my own life. No kidding. I mean, so. And that, boy, that was hard. That was really hard because I, I was sitting there going, you know, you, you're driving home from wherever it is you're driving home from. And you're like, you know what? I could just take a hard left right now yeah. and just end it. You know, ooh, I'm going over an overpass. I, these are bad thoughts. Yeah. These are bad thoughts. And I'm like, well, think about your wife, John. Think about your kids, John. And I didn't care. Yeah. And that scared oh. me more than anything. More than anything. And that's when I realized, like, this is not me. This is not who I am. And I need help. I need help right now. And, and I said, you know what, whatever. I, I, I was always anti these, you know, these uh, mental health medications. But I'm like, you know what, even if those, those medications take 25 years off my life, I mean, I'm thinking about ending it anyway. I, I don't care. I don't, I, I don't care. If that's, if that's what it takes to get out of this, then that's what we'll do. Uh, excuse me. So... I got, I got the help that I needed. Um, and, and I still remember, uh, and she will always be an angel because of this, but I, I, um, the residency has a secretary there. She's, uh, she, and she runs the show and she is a pure Southern belle and her name is, her name is Marie. Marie. And, uh, <clears throat> uh hi Marie. No, she's great. Yeah. I love her accent. I, I miss her. She, what, she is so much fun. Uh, she's an absolute blast. Um, and she is just, she's an absolute mama bear where she just, uh, she loves on the residents. She, she, she takes care of them. She knows how stressful residency is. And, um, and she could tell that I wasn't myself. And, uh, she comes in she's, she's like, Hey, Shug, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm all right. No, buddy. really? I'm all right. And she's like, you don't oh. look like you're doing okay. And she's like, you sure you're okay? And I look at her and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be fine. And, and she's like, all right, Shug, well, you let me know if you need anything, okay? And she, and she leaves. And, and just, just that moment to know that somebody who genuinely loves people was showing concern for me. I'm like, I, I need to be on this earth still. There's still stuff I have to do. Yeah, it's safe for me to, safe for me to yeah. figure this out. Yeah, boy, I mean, it, it, I can't believe I'm talking about this publicly. <laughs> John, I can't. <laughs> As, uh, you know, it, it, I can't, I can't. I can't, I'm trying to like put myself in your mindset. I know what it's like to have depression. And I'm gonna make this quick, but because I want you to keep going. I mean, this is powerful. But but 
you look at all the things you've done in your life and, and I mean, as a 12 year old boy, you stopped and you recognized that you needed something more in life yeah. and you, and you do, you were diligent. You came back, you asked if you can come back the second day. You, yeah. as, as a, as a athlete, you worked hard. You yeah. had this experience where you went through all these things as a missionary. You love the people so much in New York and to go back to New York, you love the people so much that you literally felt the PTSD from nine 11, just like yeah. they did because you were so down in that culture. And then, to face depression, which seems like something that outwardly a guy that's, that's had all these wonderful experiences and just right. always risen to whatever challenges yeah. he's faced with that cripples you and you going, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm right. ashamed of right. myself. What's wrong with right. me? I, I've had a life that is blessed so much more than I would say most people on earth. And, and that's not lost on me. Sure. And yet here I am considering taking my own life. God, that's... That's amazing. And so it gives me, I mean, I understand now people who commit suicide, at least to some degree. I don't pretend to understand it all. There's still a lot that I do not understand. And and I admit that. And so I don't, I don't mean to, to pretend that I do. um, But from my experiences, I can understand a whole lot more that, you know, somebody taking their life is certainly not a selfish thing. Yeah. Um, It is a mental illness thing. They are hurting, but just in a way that, is hard to be seen. Um, I'm, I'm ever grateful to my angel wife. Yeah. She can see right through me. Yeah. Um, uh, just cripples. You. She was, she was great. She was at a time where I needed it. She was very meek and very loving and very patient with me. Safe and safe. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I got the help. I, I was fortunate enough to find a medication that worked for me, um, pretty quickly. Um, and so I still have those fits of depression, but I'm able to pull out of them very quickly now. Got it. And I'm grateful to that. And I realize, okay, you know what? There's, there's, there's probably something physiological in me that is just not working. Sure. And the medication is helping so that I can still be my normal self. Sure. Um, and that's probably, uh, that, that was hard for me. That was humbling for me to admit that, you know, I've got a really big problem that's probably going to be with me for the rest of my life, you know? And, and my, my mentality, because I have a naturally depressed state is I'm, I'm somebody that is more of a glass half empty kind of guy naturally. And boy, I have to work my tail off to try to look at it as a glass half full. I'm not one of these natural bubbly kind of people that everybody loves to be around, including me. I love being, I mean, my wife is one of those people. That's why I married her. Cause I knew that I didn't have that. And I needed that in my in my life. And she is, I mean, She's phenomenal, as yeah. you know. I mean, what what an incredible woman. I'm very, very lucky to have her. But this is my struggle in yeah. life. This is this is what I'm going to have to deal with. Um, and I think that it just goes to show that no matter no matter what you're born into, um, no matter what things you have or have not accomplished in your life, you're going to have some trials. This life is a time to have trials and to learn how to take those trials and to grow from them. And that's what I'm trying to learn how to do right now. You know, I mean, this, this whole depression thing, I, in, in full disclosure, um, there's some things that have happened to me in life where it's, it's rocked my faith. That same faith that taught me that I'm a child of God, that same faith that taught me that I have a loving heavenly father, that I have a loving heavenly mother, that I have a loving savior in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things I'm questioning about that right now. And I don't have answers, and that's hard for me. Um, but if I look back on my life, there's always hope. There's always hope. And 
I know that when I'm at a point where I can't help myself, that there will always be somebody there who can help me, whether that's my wife, whether that's a, uh, a lady that I babysit her kids for who realizes, hey, I've got some connections that John can use, to dentists who, who cared and who saw my situation for what it was and helped me to rise up uh, from that, to um, a loving wife who is patient with me as I try to figure out my own faith struggles while she is strong. Um, Murray, George Bell, is that her name, Murray? To her? Oh, Marie. Marie. Yeah, to Marie. Yeah. Um, they're there. Uh, yeah, you know, to just, just show those acts of kindness. Um, I know there are people, and, and if, there's, if there's not, if there's nobody else that's there, if you wiped all of them away, I still know that there's a God in heaven who is there and who isn't going anywhere. And I don't fully understand that. And I have some doubts. And I have some things that maybe I'm even a little bit upset with. And don't under and just don't understand, um, but I do understand, and I that He is real, that He has answered my prayers in the past, uh, and that ultimately, ultimately, somebody you can trust. And I'm still trying to understand that too. Boy, there's a lot. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of questions that yeah. I have. There's a lot of questions, and I and my faith is. Sorry, my faith is not perfect, uh, but my hope is there. My hope is there, and, and and I as I as I've gone through this podcast with you and just kind of seen my seen my life for what it is, or at least how I perceive it to be, I can see very clear instances of of people who have helped me to rise up, um, and I do my best to pay it forward. Yeah. Uh, because just because I have a few letters after my name now, just because I have a, a doctor in front of my name, um, just because I've accomplished things that society thinks is honorable and acceptable and, and great does not make my value any higher than somebody who is not. Um, and so I hope to find that young 12 year old kid who says, you know what? I think I can be a dentist Yeah. because I would love to say, you know what? I know you can. Yeah. Let me help you with that. Yeah. Um, I love being able to see people who are in completely different fields that I know nothing about, like computers or engineering or things like that, who who have taken the time to help me with with small little things or yeah. even big things. Yeah. You know, I've got a great I've got great neighbors right now who have helped me build my fence. You know, what a blast that has been. <laughs> yeah. That is so much fun. So cool. And they know what they're doing and yeah. I don't. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. it's like, wow. Thank yeah. you so much for helping me. Yeah. I mean, thank, thank you. I, it's just, it's, it's, it's great to see that. Yeah. Um, and in the time that we live in, with as much turmoil as going on, which we won't get into, it's just nice to see that people are doing that. Yeah, it's nice to see that people are are, are caring. Um, um, it's just, it's nice to see people when they're realizing that hey, you're valued just as much as I'm valued. And it's nice to see people when maybe you're not valuing yourself as much as you should. It's nice to see people reach out and say, hey, Shug, you doing okay? Yeah, I love you it. You doing okay? You know? That's, that's uh, so awesome. Anyway, so that's that's my story. That's probably the message that, you know, you asked the question of, you know, if there's anything that you could, you know, pass on to your kids. We're going to get there. Okay. I got some questions All for right. you, though. Sounds, sounds good. I, uh, I, first, first off, I want to say, um, you know, sometimes we're, obvi- we're always, uh, we're always the biggest... Um, critics of ourselves 
we're so much harder on ourselves than anybody else is. And sometimes yeah. we have people that are hard on us. You know, sometimes we get bullied. Sometimes we just get put in bad situations where yeah. we feel like the world's coming down on us and it has no value for us. But yeah. it's, it's, you can always look at that. And, and the one person that's always going to be the biggest, biggest critic is the one that's silent inside. Yeah. That's our hardest battle. Yep. And John, I got to tell you, um, I just, I hope you know for me and my family how much value you've instilled in us. Um, the way that you've um, been there to wrap your arms around us and to love us and to be friends and serve our family. Um, I, I just, I hope you understand how much we love you and, and how much we feel loved by you. And I, I don't know, you're not going to get, you're not going to walk away going like, yes, I've done some great things in this world, <laughs> but I, I hope you know that just like Marie was that for you, just like Dr. Abbott was that for you, just like the lady you babby, baby, babby, baby sat, <laughs> babysat her kids, yeah. how she, how she connected you. You are that for many people. And you, the problem is we just don't see those things, yeah. but you are that. And I've, and I've felt well, that you. from day one from you. I mean, gosh, it's my, it's my birthday today. And this weekend you guys flew out and I had no idea you were coming. And I'm like, I just, to me, it's like, yeah, my wife didn't pay for you to fly out here couldn't afford that you guys flew out here on your own dime and uh for whatever reason obviously you wanted to you wanted to see, see that what happened last night at the little press conference yep. we didn't kind of laugh with yep. that because that's that hilarious but but i but it just the the fact that like you show up with love for people um i struggle with some of those same things that you do throughout my life and and the strength that you give to me because of things that you've gone through and experienced yourself without even realizing it, you, uh, you blessed my life tremendously. And so know, just know that, um, there are a lot of people that are grateful for you and, and who you are. Well, thank you. Yeah. That That wasn't a question. That means a lot. It means a lot. It's not always easy to see. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't a question. So now I'm going to get into my questions. That was a statement. All right. (laughs) Okay. So I want to go back there. There are a few things in your story that are, I mean, I mean, I could, I could talk about when you're 10 and you listen to your dad and how he said, you know, you got to think about your life and education. I mean, that to me as a 10 year old, like who thinks about that? I mean, I wasn't the kid. I I was like, okay, dad, that's great. But I heard Charlie Brown's teacher. And And I'm sitting there thinking, who's the player I'm going to create in Madden 1994 right now. That's going to, it's going to run 99, (laughs) 10, 99 speed. And you're going to run over the cop. Like that's what I, that's where my brain is. Or my girl, like what girl do I, I'm going to write a note to Uh in school next week. The fact that that happened for you and you responded is powerful. And then at 12, same thing, you know, with um, some certain things that happened when you were 12 years old and, and at the dental office with uh, Dr. Dr. Wiseman. Yes, yeah. yeah, Dr. Smile. Yeah. Um, that be just amazing. And, and John, I look at your life and I'm like, man, there's, there's, there's lighthouses throughout your life that God placed in your path to help you get where you needed to be. And also, as you were going along your journey and your course, there were people he put in your path to make sure that you knew you were loved and you were safe. It was a safe place for you as you went. As yeah. all of a sudden you go through your trials, because we all go through them, right? Yep. Um, I, one that really stands out to me, I want to go back to your um, high school, the competition in high school. Mm-hmm. With the prayers, this this is high school, not college, right? This is college. College. This, sorry. I, so I was fresh out of high school. Okay. I was at the junior college. Yeah. Okay, so you say a prayer. I mean, you're competing with your 
your sloppy nemesis, Joe. man. Sloppy Joe. Sloppy Joe. You're like, I'm going to eat this guy for dinner. But all of a sudden, he clears one, and you're like, yep. strike two. He was, a, he was a great competitor. Sloppy Joe's going to beat yep. you, man. Yep. And you're just you're yeah. feeling it. He Incidentally, he won the state championship. Yeah, okay, he did. Yep, he okay. did. So, he, he, so full credit for that. Yep, yep, yep. yep. took it home. You need yep. to reconnect with this sloppy yeah, Joe right. guy. I love this. I love this. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and they need to make a movie like Will Ferrell and somebody else's Sloppy Joe. and, and then, right. yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Will Ferrell would be a great Sloppy That'd be Joe. awesome. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I, I just so so before jump three yeah. to get the same height that he's already accomplished, yeah. you quietly say a prayer and ask God for help. I've given yeah. this my all. My dad taught me to give yeah. things my all, and I've yeah. given this my all, and I'm coming to you, Heavenly Father, to ask for help. It feels so good to say that, by the way. Yeah, to say an honest prayer, saying I have given, given it my, my all. I have, yeah. And yeah, that the rest is all grace. Yeah, that's I yeah. love it. And and so there you go. But the part that stands out to me, I mean, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And I think we do that in our please, we mm-hmm. help just please. Like I've give, I've poured out my heart and soul into this thing. My all my energy has been put towards this thing. And so and so I I think that to me makes sense mm-hmm. that you would do that. Mm-hmm. Here's the special part to me. I mean, that's special. But this is this is tremendous to me. Because the next time you still pause to say a prayer, the other guy didn't hit the mark. No. You pause to say a prayer, and all you say is, it's not help me, help me spread my wings and fly. I believe I can fly. Yeah. It's, thank you. I couldn't ask him for anything. I can't ask you for anything more. He He already gave me what I asked for. Yeah. And then you were able to just let loose. Yeah. And, and go. Yeah. And then as soon as you won, the first thing on your brain is to go back and thank him for that. Yeah. That to me is powerful. What, what did you learn from that experience? Like what, what is it that, um, what, what stays with you from that whole thing? I didn't want to be a member of the nine leper society. I wanted to be that one leper that comes back to say thank you. Yeah. Um, Gratitude is is extremely powerful, extremely powerful. Um, I'll give you a, a, a modern example of my life. So I am now um, a partner in Endodontics of the Rockies. So me me and my partner own Endodontics of the Rockies, which is is a very successful practice in the Fort Collins area. Um, we have employees who are exceptional, who are normal people just like me and you, but are exceptional, and we make sure they know that. And we want to, so Brandon, my partner, and I, we want to create an environment where they enjoy coming to work. And one of the things that, that one of my assistants said to me when I first started working there was, you say thank you a lot. They weren't used to having a dentist when they hand me an instrument saying thank you. And I say that, apparently I say that quite a bit. You know, for me, I'm, I'm focusing on the patient, but yeah. somebody hands, hands me something, I'm like, thank, thank you. you. And, and uh, she had pointed that out to me, and I'm like, well... It's because I really do appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, I'm able to treat my patient so much better when I have a good assistant at my side than if I do it by myself. Because I've done it by myself, and I can do it by myself. And in the end, I can get the same result, but it is a whole lot harder to do it when I don't have an assistant with me. Yeah. And so when I have somebody who is just on point, who's anticipating what I need, and puts the right instrument in my hand at the right time. I'm really grateful for that. You know? And so I think that, and that certainly stems back to this, this, this incident. Um, 
the reality is it extends back further than that. My parents were always very grateful, grateful parents. They, you know, I, I learned it from them. Um, but gratitude in and of itself is something that is very powerful. It's important to close that loop, to complete that circle. Um, just because I, I, I mean, as we've seen, I did not get where I'm at by myself. You know, I got where I'm at in spite of myself. Maybe you know, I, I got there because you had there were there were people who cared yeah. and who cared to stop their life for a second to allow me to to get a leg up. I love it. And and does that not deserve all the gratitude you have? And if you think about it from a bigger perspective, from a you know thirty thousand foot view, doesn't God doesn't God have given us everything? Don't we owe Him that? Um, and again, I'm still struggling with some of my faith today. Um, there's some things that have happened in my life where I, I go, why? <laughs> why? And it's okay to question God. It's okay to question the existence of God. It's okay to question God's motives. It's okay to, to question his MO, his mode of operation, you know, how he does things the way he does, how he works through imperfect people. Um, those are hard questions. You know, if you're religious, if you're part of any organized religion, it doesn't matter which one you are, but if you're a part of any organized, the, the biggest thing that, that non-religious people have against it is look at your history. And you look at the history of any religion. It's not pretty. There's some big problems that are there. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I'm still part of an organized religion is because I believe that God is an organized person and that he is, his hand is guiding this work. And guiding and just in, inherently involves some wobbliness. You think about a, a dad teaching his kid how to ride a bike. Yeah. There's a lot of wobbles in that bike until the dad doesn't really have to guide anymore and they can do it on their own. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's probably why I'm still still faithful. I love it. But it is, it is okay to question that. Yeah. Um, you doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. And I'm finding that that's not always easy to do. I've doubted my doubts first, but I still have questions. And right now I'm doubting my faith a little bit. And that is okay. It is okay. Because I still have hope. Yeah. And I may not have all the answers. And I may see some answers on the other side of what I've been taught growing up. Um, and those answers may even be logical answers. But I still have that hope. And I still see that hope playing out in people who are in my life. And so I take that and I hold on to that for dear life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, awesome. So cool. And I think of, I think of connectedness, um, with that in the sense of if you believe in God, mm-hmm. then you believe we're all connected, mm-hmm. big family. Right. And I think, I, back, I think I just interject though, even if you don't believe in God, sure. You can see, you can see that there is a human connection. Yes. There's a sense you, of family. that you cannot deny that yep. there, the, we are connected. You don't have to believe in God to go help a guy with his fence and just That's have exactly a great right. time and feel connected yeah. to him. Right. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. There's something to that. Yep. But I think about, I think about your dental assistant. I'm going to go back there for a second and just that simple. Thank you. Mm-hmm. She feels safe because of that. She yes. actually recognizes it. It, she talks to you about it. Yes. Just the sense that she's talking to you about it means that she, it's changed her mindset. Like she yes. feels safe and pe- like I'm sure her world changed because all of a sudden she's got a doctor or a yes. leader, someone she looks up to who is thanking her. Yes. And so all of a sudden that becomes a safe place for her. There's less stress in her life. Coming yes. to work becomes 
awesome. Yes. And that means leaving work is awesome too. Yes. And her mind is a little bit easier. And how powerful is she because of that? Yes. You she and is, her simple. potential is so much higher. Yes. Because she has been, she's in an environment where she can thrive. A simple thank you. And yep. just giving people the respect and love they deserve yes. back. Yes. That's powerful. Yes. I love mm-hmm. it. And that, and that, okay, awesome. Next one. Um, so I, I thought, find it very interesting, and we need to go because we need to get you on a flight. Actually, yep. we're going to fly here in a minute. But um, going to New York. So you're on your way. You're actually in Denver on your way to New York when on that day when they, the planes flew into the towers. I mean, I can't yep. imagine. You see this lady at the airport just recognize it immediately and drop to the floor, yes. paralyzed, right? Yep. You're there, you, your heart, I know what it's like to serve a mission. That's why I say Indiana's the best state in the world, because right. in the U.S. Because you put world, your heart out there that's for two right. years. And yeah. I, man, my soul loves those people. Great and, people. Love the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're in New York, and, and you're dealing with PTSD. You weren't even there that day. You right. saw on the TVs like most of us yep. did. Yep. But you're dealing with PTSD. And I just had this thought. I'm like, you know, when people go back to their mission, Yes, I'm going back to Indiana because I love the scenery and the cornfields yep. and the beautiful hills and the amazing sunsets, but I'm going because of the people. My heart's yep. with the people. Yep. And, and you're going to face this thing. You're going back to ground zero. Mm-hmm. And I just, the thing that strikes me about that is when you go out there and you serve people for two years and you learn to love them, when you serve somebody, you can't not fall in love with them. Right. You fall in love with their souls. You, yep. you don't care what they've done in their past. If they're the worst person sure. in the world, you love them. Yep. And you have nothing but compassion for them. Mm-hmm. And you go out to face this thing. And, and it's a real PTSD because, which is very amazing to me, as you serve these people, you actually, it's almost as if you took upon yourself the emotion of what they were going through themselves, being New Yorkers going through all this stuff. And that became a very real thing to you because of your love for these people and trying to put yourselves in their shoes. You were actually able to do that. And so you had to go back and face this PTSD thing. That's amazing to me. So, so my question for you there is I'm more interested in John, what PTSD is real, obviously. What did you learn about PTSD? And I'm still, I'm I'm sure you're still working through that today, but what did you learn about PTSD that is helpful to helping you kind of move forward from that? What's helped you? Um, I I think the biggest thing that's helped me is, is find a way to get closure, whatever that means. And, and I don't know, again, there, there there's so many things out there that can cause damage to your personal psyche and, and have that PTSD. Um, you see it most prevalently in the military when you have people who have been deployed and have seen some things that are just awful. And I won't get into the details on that, but you'll see, you'll see things, you know, civilly as well, you know, back in, back in society where people go through some awful, awful things. Um, oftentimes are things that happen in the home. Um, but I think if you can find a, find a way to get closure is what that taught me by going back to New York. And I was... I was lucky because I had a whole museum about what had caused the PTSD for me. I had a whole museum that was masterfully put together and I can walk through and I was able to, I was able to see everything. And so that was a tremendous blessing. There's people who have gone through things in life. They don't get a museum, tell them, Hey, this is where you started and here's where we're at right now. And look how wonderful we've made this. You know, I had that with nine 11. 
And I can physically see how New York has changed and how you have the Freedom Tower and you have the museum and you have the resolve of the New York citizens who, um, who never forget, you know, and, and who, have, who have built upon that. But there's people who maybe go through domestic violence that, that don't have that. How, how do they get that closure? I don't know. I, I wish I knew the answer. I don't know. Um, and I think that's what psychiatrists and psychologists try to help people work through. Um, but that's probably, I think, the, the, the broad thing that, that I learned from that is I was able to get closure for that. It still stings. Yeah. I still see a picture of it and go, oh, mm. not good for so many reasons. But it doesn't have that physiological reaction where it's just like, I, I can't think, I can't you. do this. I, it's like, okay, this happened. I was, I was a small part of it. And I've overcome it. As has the entire state of New York. Yeah, you know, there's now there's there's people, and, and I and I do have to say, there's people who lost loved ones in there, and they have not, and that's not because of weakness. That's because they lost a loved one, and that and that that's a hole in your heart that's not going to be repaired in this lifetime, you know. And so I don't I don't ever want to um, make that sound any less than what that is because of my limited experience. Sure, but I think the principle is still there. Of can you find closure? And if you haven't found that closure yet, are you still looking for it? Yeah. I think that's a key too, is look for that closure. Find a way to go, okay, this happened. And I am now okay with it somehow, somehow. And, and again, I don't have the answers for most of, most of people's PTSD. I'm not a psychiatrist by any stretch of the imagination. Sure. Um, but having gone through my own experience, I think that's... I think that's the I, I think that's the right way to go. It's a great and, answer in, ter in terms of looking at it, um, and, and and guiding your perspective. I yeah. think if you can f look for a way to find that closure, that's a really good answer. And I, I think I, I appreciate that you don't um, just act like you know the answers to all. Right? I, yeah. I think John, your life is a pattern too. And, and as you're as you gave that answer, um, I think one of the things that stands out to me is. There's, there's kind of that idea of lighthouses. Yeah. In your life, there's going to be lighthouses who take the time to say something to you. There's safe places yeah. that will help you along your way. And, um, and, and yeah, I, yeah. I, that's, that's awesome. But um, it's, it, it's amazing how different things are for so many of us. But there's always people out there that are those lighthouses that have either been through the same thing mm -hmm. and learned and grown from that trial that can help. So someone will be placed in your path as you continue yeah. to give your all, right? God, God, God steps up and helps us out. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna, I, I wanna go to two more questions for you and then okay. we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, I'm starting to really hate the paper plate aisle in Costco. I kind of, I'm just, I, I, I hate you that. Know, yeah, I, I try to go through that one quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need anything else? No, moving on. Those stupid paper. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a, this, this is a dark hour for you in your life. Yeah. Here you are in Costco and all of a sudden you're just crippled by like this emptiness of, of hopeless, hopelessness and you're a guy that's always held on to hope and all of a sudden that's gone and you're having very real suicidal yeah. thoughts Yeah. and you don't, and you, you, you literally said, I'm, I think about my family, but then all of a sudden you're like, I don't care. Yeah. When you're there, you're so consumed in darkness yeah. and you're so broken that you don't know. Like you, you just don't know. You, there's no light for you at the end of the tunnel. You're not yeah. seeing the end of the tunnel. It's you dark. You feel like you're stuck in the yeah. middle of the paper plate aisle at Costco. <laughs> That's and, a bad and, place and even, stuck. even though there's, there's exits on both sides of that aisle, you don't know where to go. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's dark. Yeah. So, so talk to me about that moment. Right. 
What, what helped you in that moment of suicidal thoughts and just darkness? What helped you? What did you learn from that moment? Uh, I learned that you have a very simple choice. Do you hold on or do you let go? Um, and I think people who have suicidal thoughts, those are two very valid options. Um, I think people who, when I was younger, you know, I always thought, oh, you know, yeah, somebody could have said, that's so selfish. And boy, they're going to be judged for that. The boy, was I wrong on that one. But that's what I thought when I was younger because I didn't know better. And I, I had never been to that place. I, I, I've been to that place now. And I can see now that the person who's there has two very, very important options to choose from. And it's a scary thing when your hope is gone. Um, that was the first time where I had ex- I, I experienced what I felt was a complete absence of hope. And so I, I've got a beautiful family. Why, why wouldn't I choose them? Well, because I don't, I don't have any hope. And so if I don't have any hope, then why wouldn't I choose to just be done end it and be quiet and be done and to get rid of the pain? And that's something that came on to me instantly. Scary stuff. Yeah. You know? um, and so I had a choice to make because I was about to go get in my car. And you can do some things in a car. Make that hard left. Make that hard left. And I, and I had to decide, do I stay or do I go? And I knew in the back of my mind what's the, what the right answer was, is stay. Stay. And so I said, okay, I'm going to stay for now. But I don't know why. That's the kind of mentality that... that is there when you're in that dark place. Um, and it's scary and it sucks. And I hope to never be there again. Um, but you know, there's people who take their lives. And think about all the adolescents who are taking their lives right now because of, because of whatever. I don't pretend to understand why. There's so many different reasons. I'm an adult going through this. I'm not even a young adult anymore. I'm a middle-aged adult going through this. And I have to actively put everything I have into saying, yes, I'm going to stay. And so for the people who have chosen not to stay, boy, my heart goes out to them. But I also know that there's going to be a loving Savior on the other side who's going to cry with them and go, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. So it is so hard. It is so hard. But it's not my place to judge them. It is nobody's places to judge him but our Savior, but God alone. And I know that he is going to be exceptionally merciful because when you're at that point of choosing between staying and going, it is hard to see the right answer when you're in that position. I can't imagine yeah. the, the love that he wraps his arms around him. With. Yep, thank you. That was, that was powerful and beautiful. Last question for you, John. Okay. It's, been, it's, it's become my staple question. Okay. Um, yes, the Warriors will win next season. 
<laughs> Go Steph. <laughs> I love watching that guy. Um, gives me hope for a man that is short. And I'm not saying he's short, but in comparison, we're going to, we're going to go in comparison. Anyway. Um, you know, I, I, all the things you've been through, John, what a, what a, what a great life. And, and just the people put in your path, the choices you made as a young man, the things that you did for yourself and your a couple of the conversations you had with your dad and your mom and, and just watching them and seeing that man search for food in the trash and how you stopped and you recognize that and it moved you and it makes a difference in you today. Um, all this experience, suicidal thoughts, a wonderful life, having moments of beauty, what have you learned? What's the gift that you've received that you would, you would share with those of us that are listening? Yeah. Um, it seems like the, the overwhelming theme is going to be hope. Just have hope. Don't expect all the answers. Don't expect your life to go the way you think it's going to go. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, have hope. That's a really, that's a really broad answer to a very broad question. Um, but again, I think, yeah, just having, having this opportunity to look back on my life, um, I think that's what sustains it all is, is have that hope. Even, even if your faith is shaking, uh, or even if there's times where you have no hope, find something way down here, the bottom of your heart to pull hope from somewhere because it's always there. It's, it's always there. Um, so I think that would be, that would be the message. I think that's the overriding message. I think there's a, there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. Yeah. There's a lot, but I think, I think the, the overwhelming one is have some hope. We're taught in our faith that the first principle of the gospel is faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Principle is an, is an application of truth. Yep. And so I think before a the first principle can be can be had. It has to be built on a foundation of hope. So that's good. It's good to remember princi- principles are applications of truth. And in order to be able to pl- apply that, you have to have hope in it. And I, as you say that, I think of your kids, and I think of the wonderful lives that they're going to have and, and just becoming, growing up in a home where you endorse you're doing such a good place of providing a safe place for them and also encouraging and supporting, but they're going to go through their stuff and have their trials and that message of hope. And when it gets dark, give it a day, wait it out, just hang in there, hang on to hope. It's going to get dark and you'll forget about hope, but give it a day. You'll wake up tomorrow, the sun's going to rise the next day. You can hang on to that hope. Yep. You can find those things that you can trust in and have hope in for one more day. Yep. And then as you get through that next day, you'll have hope and it'll come back. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I look at your life, John, and I just think, what a great example of you know, somebody who's held on to hope and, and amazing things have happened and the influence that you unseeingly are putting on those around you in your world are making it a better place for them too. And that's a, that's a powerful thing. So hold on to hope. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wish I wish I could see that better than I can. Well, that's a hard thing, right? That's a hard thing. I yeah. I think if if we all could see our influence, it would probably uh, cause us to not be so influential because we'd yeah. be so stuck on how how great we are, right? But <laughs> right. No, but John, yeah. it, it, what a powerful message, and and thank you so much for coming and and uh, opening up and and getting vulnerable and and uh, sharing that with us because that's you're going to relate to a lot of people. 
Well, thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. This has been. I'm, I'm glad you convinced me to do this. Yeah, I love you, buddy. Yeah, love you too, brother. Thanks, man. Yep, take care. Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com. Thank you.